0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Man, you guys excited? All right, somebody gave you a cue to, to do that. That was felt instructed, but also authentic, so I appreciate it. Um, but also, everybody online, make some noise if you're online. That you, He's that like, I heard him. Some, someone somewhere was just yelling in their living room, and I appreciate that. Um, man, we're jumping back into the series called Marks by Jesus. We're just going through the book of Mark, and God's word is powerful, and I believe there's a unique word that he has for some of us in here today. I'm uh, very excited to, to share, but I'm just really excited to be part of this church. Like, I don't know if y'all realize this, and I think sometimes we take it for granted of uh, being part of a healthy church that's focused on Jesus. Our vision statement is to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. Like, that's what we're about. And I'm so thankful to have that be at the center because we have this building, we celebrate this building, but we give thanks, not we worship. Not the building, but we worship and give thanks to the God who provided this building. And I'll, I see this church, I see it being centered on that and not losing focus. Because as we go forward, it's easy to lose focus just like in our life. But I see our church just being so focused about Jesus and bringing people to the foot of the cross. And I, w- and I, I just want to say personally how grateful I am to be part of this church, be part of this team that is all about Jesus. And today we're pressing into some things uh, that Jesus said uh, the book of Mark is an account of his life on earth, and there's a powerful um, example of of what of uh, of someone talking about eternal life and riches. But uh, so I believe God's going to speak to us. I'm I'm very really excited. Um, and the main thing Jesus was saying in this passage I'm going to show you is about eternal life and riches, and how these two correlate and how they connect. And it's kind of an interesting uh, set of topics, eternal life and riches, but they actually have a very significant uh, connection to one another. And what I want to challenge you all with is looking through the lens of eternity, seeing the big picture. Here's what I believe is unless we see the big picture in life, we're going to miss out and we're actually going to waste our life on things that don't matter. So when uh, like about five years ago, my friend talked me into doing a half marathon And he had an extra spot, and he was like, hey, you should run this half marathon with me. And I'd never done that before. I've only ran like five or six miles. Like, that was the most I ran at one time. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I'm like, when is it? He's like, next week. I was like, all right, let's do this. And so I actually, like, ran a couple times before it. But then it was just, like, the energy of, like, everybody screaming and a bunch of people around. And I just did it. I completed it. And I got 13.1 miles under my belt. And I said, man, what, what, I did a half. A full is nothing. Let's bring it on, baby. And uh, so, so that was like in, in May or April. And then uh, the CIM, the California International Marathon, which happens right here, is in December. So I said, you know what? Let's do a full. At the time, I was 26 years old. And uh, if there's ever a time to run 26.2 miles as a full marathon, it's when you're 26 years old. And so I, s- I said, you know what? This is what I'm doing. The Lord's timing is here. I'm going to run a marathon uh, when I'm 26 years old. I'm going to run a marathon this December. And so that's what I did. I set out and I found this app that said this is how many miles you should train. You should, this is how many miles you should run each week. And you, you elevate, uh, increase your miles every week and you start to go up. And I want to tell you, I was so focused on the end goal that I was able to push through all the pain. Because it was a painful thing. Like, I didn't want to wake up early. Like, who wants to do that? I didn't want to get up and then run. Like, who wants to do that? But I was focused on this end goal. And it was definitely a lot of pride involved with it. I literally pictured myself, like, as I was running. I mean, that was hours and hours and hours, so I had a lot to think about. It was really healthy for me because it really helped. was a good spot to process stuff. But one of the things I was thinking about was seeing that end goal, was crossing that finish line. And that motivated me to go through any pain. It motivated me to get up early. It motivated me to, to experience some physical pain as I was running. It motivated me to make those sacrifices so I can meet the end goal. And here's what I see. Is that unless we see, see the big picture, we're going to waste our life on things that don't matter. We're, unless we look through the lens of eternity, we'll waste our life on things that do not matter. And, and, and here's the flip side of it. When we look through the lens of eternity, which Jesus is talking right here, he's saying, look, look at the big picture. It's worth it. And when we do this, we live a life of purpose, of impact, and legacy. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, what did I do? I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, man, like, I, I, I was a nice guy. You know, like, I didn't do anything too messed up. Uh, I was pretty good. But what, did, what do I have to leave? What am I leaving behind? And, and what was the purpose? That I, was I faithful to God? Was I faithful to my family? Did I love people? Did I serve people? Seeing the big picture ultimately comes down to this question. He said, and, and this is what I want to charge you all with. I want to challenge you all to ask this question on a regular basis. It's this, what am I doing today that matters in eternity? What am I doing this day that's going to matter in eternity? And I believe Jesus is prodding us with this question in this passage. I believe Paul had this mindset when he said, you know what? I press on, and I see the big picture. Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. See, we realize we have a bigger purpose than just getting through life, than just contributing to society, being a decent person, not being a jerk. Like, you have a bigger purpose than that, and it's to serve people. It's to live a life of legacy and impact. And there's something no one can deny is missing when, you, when we just live a life for ourselves. But when we live a life of selflessness and see how we can serve other people, that's what fulfillment is. That's how you're going to look at the end of your life and look at eternity and say, I was a good steward of what God gave me. I was a good steward of the time, of my talent, of my energy, and of my finances, of my possessions, the resources he's given me, and these, what I did with that matters in eternity. Jesus said there's a big significance. There's a big connection between your riches, your resources, and eternal life. What are you doing today that matters in eternity? So here's the context. So I believe God wants th- this question. What am I doing today that matters in eternity? I believe this question is an empowering question that will help you receive practical insight. Like I believe the Bible is very practical. And, and this should be a... this. Coming to church should be a place where you feel equipped and empowered to live out the life God's called you for. This isn't just a time where we sing some songs and make you feel good. This should be a time where you receive something from God. And you can receive this every day of the week. You don't have to wait till Sunday to receive it. But I believe there's something significant about gathering where you can receive something that's empowering you to live the life that God has called you to do. That called you to live. Impact, purpose, and legacy. He's called you to something greater. And I believe this question is going to be very practical, like asking, what am I doing today that matters in eternity? Very practical. It's going to empower you to to have some practical wisdom in place. But I believe it's also, the Lord put this on my heart, that it's also going to empower you to receive some incredible spiritual breakthrough and spiritual healing. And that's what the Lord put on my heart. And and I want you to just press in and lean in. Even right now, before we we jump into what the scripture says, you say, man, I want to lean in. God, whatever you want to speak to me today, I want to have a posture to receive. That's all I ask of you for the next few minutes here. So let's look at this passage. So the last time we were in Marked, I actually got to preach this passage, the first part of this passage, where the rich young ruler, he was young and he was rich. And apparently he was a ruler. He had power, he had position, and he had money. And he went up to Jesus and asked him this important question that was very that brought about a revelation. He went up to Jesus and said, "Hey, what do I got to do to inherit this this thing called eternal life? Like what do I got to do? What box do I have to check? What do I what hoops do I got to jump through in order to get this sweet deal called eternal life and I get to spend eternity in heaven and it's I'm like, that sounds great. What do I, where do I sign? Like how much, how much, how many payments? What do I got to do? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. How are you doing on those commandments? You remember the commandments? And he listed a few of them. And the guy was like, I'm good. I got all those commandments. I've been keeping those since I was a kid. And Jesus is like, oh, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Just one thing that you lack. It's so what he says, one thing that you lack. He has all this abundance of possessions and treasures, Yes, yet he lacks one thing. He said, just sell everything, give it to the poor, and come and follow me, and then you got it. And unfortunately, this is, the, this is one of the saddest scriptures that I've ever read. Because it says he walks away disheartened because he had great treasures. And he was unwilling to surrender. He was unwilling to give up this thing he became so dependent on. But that is the essence. Jesus wasn't saying everybody has to sell everything in order to in- inherit an- eternal life. And if you have any amount of money, you're not going to heaven. He's saying this became an, an, became an idol to him. And unless he was willing, unless you are willing to surrender everything to Jesus, you can't follow him. If you're holding on to something, if you're putting something above him, you can't follow Jesus because you're making that your God and breaking the first commandment, which is you shall have no other gods before him. And that's what he was calling out. But as he walked away disheartened, he was unwilling to surrender. And some of us today need to be willing to surrender whatever, whatever God calls you to surrender. And you've been holding on to some things. And I believe God wants to let you know you can trust him. Because after this story After he walks away, we pick up. That's where we're jumping in today. Peter hears this, and hears Jesus talk about this this and teach on it. And he says, yeah, that rich young ruler, like, he obviously didn't trust you. He ran away and was, like, really sad because he had all this money. But we left everything, right, Jesus? Like, remember that time you came up to us, and we were fishing, we were fishing. And you said, hey, come follow me. Drop your nets and follow me. And we dropped our nets. We dropped our livelihood. We dropped our security. And we followed you. Remember that, Jesus? And he uses that as a teaching point right here. And His Jesus, Peter's question was really rooted in this. Is it worth it? Peter was insecure. And he, he heard this and he said, like, who's in Who gets heaven? Like, I didn't sell it. Like, I did sell some stuff. So, like, I did lay everything down. I followed you. Like, and he was insecure, and he was ultimately asking the question, is it worth it? And Jesus' response was a loud, profound, more than you can imagine, Peter. You don't understand how worth it it is. You, your brain cannot physically comprehend how worth it it is because you're only looking in, this, in your perspective of time but i'm looking at eternity and i believe he's calling us today this message on my heart is to ask the question what am i doing today that matters in eternity and this is the one one of the most empowering questions i implore you to ask on the regular and you'll see how you start to walk in a purpo- walk in purpose and walk in impact and live a life of legacy let's jump in in mark chapter 10 starting in verse 23 Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And verse 26 says they were exceedingly astonished. Do you know why they were exceedingly astonished? Because their understanding was riches equals righteousness. Their understanding was like all, this, all these people in the Old Testament, people like Job was a big one. They, they knew about the, the, Old Testament, uh, docu- the, the Old Testament scripts. And they said, this is what that means. Job was a righteous man and he was a baller, so he must be very righteous. That means riches equates to righteousness. But Jesus said, actually, riches are a barrier. Riches are a barrier to the kingdom of God. Because it, you can develop this thing that First Timothy calls the love of money. And that's actually the root of all evil, according to Scripture. And you become dependent on that and not dependent on God. And so, so this is what he follows it up with. He, he had them on their toes. He, they, they were so curious. They were astonished, exceedingly astonished, and asked this question, who can be saved? Like, I don't get it. Like A camel is the largest beast in Palestine. They didn't know anything bigger than that. And so the largest beast going through, through the smallest thing that you could see with the naked eye, that's, that's pretty much impossible. And Jesus responds, like, who can be saved? And then he, had, they, he embraced this curiosity. And I think we need to demonstrate this curiosity more of, like, God, what are you saying? Some of you have been in church a long time, and you're like, I know where he's going with this. I get it. And you've lost your curiosity. But God won't do That was awesome. You all had that same pitch, like, hmm that was, that was impressive. That, I see that curiosity building up. And I think when we have that spirit of curiosity, that's when we're able to, to actually receive from God and not just come here and get a nice pat on the back and live your life the same way you did before you came to church. But if we have this spirit of curiosity and desperation and say, God, who could be saved? Like, this is what he created. He created this curiosity and he said, yo, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Then they said, well, who can be saved? And he, They were leaning in. And he said, well, it's impossible with man, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And that set off some light bulbs. But that's also when Peter asked this question. And he said, well, like, wait a second. We left everything. Verse 28, Peter began to say to him, since we have left everything, see, we have left everything and followed you. Just wanted to give a little shout out. Remember that? Like. I'm just comparing myself. See, that's what I love about scriptures you can identify with people's failures a lot more. And you can see, like, how Peter was insecure and was comparing himself and wanted a little little validation. And Jesus could have been like, Peter, just chill out, bro. Like, I know what's going on. But he used this as a teaching point. And I want to press into what he says right here in verse 29. He says, truly I say to you that there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands anything for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. It's worth it. That's the title of my message today. Peter's asking, is it worth it? Jesus responded more than you can imagine. A hundredfold isn't just like a hundred X, it's, it's, it's infinity X. You're like, that's not how math works. It is, but that's how, that's how Jesus was saying. He's saying, you can't even imagine how worth it it is. But you have to see you through the lens of eternity in order to see that happen. And he says, you're going to receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life is worth it. And then he flips the script and says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And I want to pray that this word just speaks to us today. I have a few points I want to share. But I, I, but I feel... The Holy Spirit speaking to some of us today, and there's just going to be some major breakthrough. So I want to press into that. Let's pray God's word speaks to us. Jesus, right now, we thank you for your word. It's living and active. We posture our heart and our mind in a place to receive. And we praise you. Let let your words come and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm really encouraged by this verse because, number one, Peter was like, is it worth it? And his response is, yes, it's definitely worth it. But his challenge to us, I believe, is this question, is what am I doing today that matters in eternity? And when you do this, you live a life of purpose, impact, and legacy. That's what I want when I, that, that's my end goal, seeing the big picture, running this marathon. It's not a sprint. You all know that. And seeing the end goal, crossing that line, is coming to Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my end goal. But we have to see through the lens of eternity, we have to ask this question. And I want to share a few things that I notice about this passage and that I notice about this question. Number one is this, looking through the lens of eternity empowers you to use wisdom. This is the practical thing I'm talking about. See, a lot of us think that following Jesus means you throw out wisdom. That's wrong. Following Jesus is the most wise thing you can do. It actually empowers you to use wisdom. I mean, Scripture talks so much about how he gives wisdom, how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But I think some of us hear these things like Jesus just said, like, hey, he told this guy to, to sell his billion-dollar fortune and give it to the poor, and he's like, they're like, that doesn't make any sense. So I guess following Jesus means you just got to make some dumb decisions. Now, I will say they don't, some, some things he calls you to don't make sense to other people. And that's fine because that's what the Lord spoke to you. But you cannot separate that from wisdom. Because beginning, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I believe this question is the wisest thing you can ask. Because here's the thing what I noticed. The wisest people ask the right questions. They have curiosity. They have this, I don't know it all. Those, the, the people that aren't so wise are the people that are like, yeah, I know this all. And the pride comes before the fall. But the wisest people ask the right question. And as I've been praying, I can't think of a wiser question. Because because really wisdom is looking at the bigger picture and there's nothing bigger than eternity. So when you ask this question, what am I doing that matters in eternity? What am I doing today? That's the wisest question. It will empower you to use wisdom. Wisdom means seeing what you do today matters a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. It empowers you to use wisdom. I believe it postures your heart with that curiosity so you can receive wisdom from God and make wise decisions. But here's the problem. We've developed an immediate, now instant reward mentality. Now, I love technology. And I'm not here saying, saying technology is the devil because I love technology. I, I appreciate it and I utilize it all the time. But, and I love the fact that I could click a button and have a burrito delivered to my door. Like, that's great. Like, I praise Jesus for DoorDash. Like, come on. But I think it's actually done us a disfavor to our faith because we, we don't understand the concept of delayed rewards. We, like, get upset when it's like, man, that DoorDash guy was five minutes late. Like, and we're just like, man, persecution, Jesus. <laughs> Trials and tribulations. And we've developed, like, I love it. I'm not here saying DoorDash is the Antichrist or anything like that. Don't Some of y'all going to get me wrong. Like, I love it. But it's done something to our faith that I don't believe is healthy, and that's missing what delayed rewards are. So here's the, here's the two. There's, there's, like, immediate delayed, and then, come on, bring it up there. It's also delayed. Temporary. There it is. It's delayed. Temporary and everlasting. Which one do you want? I mean, you, often we settle for the immediate but the temporary. Like, that's, what, that's our default because it's difficult to see beyond what we can see. It's difficult to be to see, like, some of you guys like, talking about eternity, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Like, it's difficult to see in, in, through the lens of eternity, but it, that's what Christ does. He calls us to do stuff that's not in our, our innate, natural response. He calls us to live, to die to ourselves. And this requires you changing something about your life and changing something about your perspective and seeing, you know what? I'm not going to settle for the immediate and temporary. I'm going to embrace the delayed and everlasting because I'll choose that any day. Like these temporary things will fade away. And that's what I believe. Wisdom means you have to let go of the love. You have to let go of the immediate temporary rewards and embrace the delayed and everlasting rewards. It's like saying, like, hey, if I, could I give, would you, I give you five grand right now. Or I could give you $50 billion 50 years from now. Some of you guys are, like, doing the math on, like, investments. It's the same concept. It's not supposed to be taken literal. But it's the same concept. We don't value delayed rewards. We want it right now. It's like, what's it doing for me right now? I don't know like you need we need this but in order I believe spiritual maturity is seeing what I do right now affects a year from now 5 10 100 years from now and affects eternity so this is using wisdom he's not saying to throw out wisdom and but he's actually calling us to be a good steward of what he's given us and that means our time that means our talent That means our energy, but it means our finances. And here's something I think we don't talk about enough. See, a lot of people see this scripture and they say, Jesus told the dude to sell everything he had. And so that means in order to follow Jesus, we got to be broke. I think some people get this misconception. And some people actually, like you see, people promote think that Jesus was promoting this thing called asceticism, which means literally giving up anything that gives you pleasure. Like, does it make you happy? That's not of the Lord. Stop that. Like, I don't believe that. Some of you guys like, I don't want to believe that. No way, I rebuke that. Now, I believe he calls us to sacrifice, but this is taking a, a parable and literal, and that's not proper hermeneutics. We have to take what Jesus said and look at the heart of what he was saying. And that thing was becoming this God. But really, he also teaches. Did you know Jesus taught about how to invest your finances? Is this thing called the parable of the talents, and he said, I gave this guy one talent, this guy ten talents. And one of them hit him under a bush and didn't do anything. And he's like, look, I kept my talents. I kept the talents, and, and I, I have the same amount you gave me. And, and the master was like, are you serious? You were a poor steward of what I gave you. And he's like, well, I didn't lose it. And a lot of people think that verse, and it's like your talents. Like some of you are good at, like, doing stuff. And you're like, no, i got to invest my talents, like my skills. i got skills. i got to invest those. But talents were a currency at the time. that wasn't like your talent. it was like a dollar. and he, what he's saying is you need to invest, you need to use wisdom, you need to multiply, you need to grow because money is a tool that can be used for spiritual growth. It is a tool that can be used for impact. Do so you know this building costs money, but it is a tool to reach people for the Lord. And here's the perspective we need to have on it. We need to be good stewards. And here's what Jesus was saying about money. I know I'm pressing into this a little bit more than the first service. But he's saying, you need to have this perspective on money. Because it will enslave you. Scripture talks about how the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not that money is the root of all evil. It's not like having money means you're evil. But it's the love of money. It's how you look at money. You need an eternal perspective on your finances. Because some people say, well, I'm going to sell everything. But regardless if you're rich or poor, the love of money will enslave you. I said it like this. The envy of what you don't have will enslave you just like the love of what you do have enslaves you. So we need to have, it's not that, we need, that Jesus is saying like, look, the rich is hard for them to enter the kingdom of God. No matter what, we have to overcome and we have to make sure that we're prioritizing the love of God over everything. And that we see money as a tool and that we're not a tool for the money. The money's not using us. That's a perspective, and that's using wisdom. And when we have the eternal perspective, we'll, and ask that question, it'll power us to be wise with our finances, with our time, with our energy, and everything God's given us. Second thing is this, is looking through the lens of eternity empowers you to serve others. I, I try to read a um, passage, I pick a passage a week, and some it's, more like a verse a week. Sometimes it's a couple verses. And I try to like memorize it, internalize it, and ask questions about it. And I just wanted to share with you how I came across this. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And I just, it's a really simple verse to memorize. Um, and, but I started asking some more questions about it. And I just want to share with you my, my pattern, how I went down about this. I was breaking it down. And I said, okay, what does it mean to set my mind on things that are above? And I said, what's above? And I, and I wrote down, well, heaven is above. I'm pretty sure that's what it's talking about. And I don't think it's t- telling me to look at like the clouds or like some tall trees or a bird. I think it's telling me to like, okay, heaven is above. That's usually the word associated with heaven. So I said, what is heaven all about? And I answered, eternity. Okay, so maybe it just means, this is what I wrote down. Maybe it just means asking, what am I doing today in light of eternity? And I felt, I felt so empowered by that question. Because that's the question I'm asking you today. What am I doing today that matters in eternity? And my answer to that question was this. Anything that I do is, that is self-serving isn't going to make a difference in 100 years. Like, what am I doing in eternity? And so, on the opposite of that. But who knows the depth of the impact when we choose to count others' needs more significant than our own? When you serve somebody, who knows the eternal impact that that will happen? that you, we want immediate, this is often delayed, but it's often everlasting. How you can, the, the depth of the impact, when you simply choose to count others' needs more significant than your own and serve somebody. I guarantee you everybody in this room can think back to a moment in their life when someone counted your needs more significant than your own and laid their life down, just like Jesus modeled and he calls us to lay down our life for other people That's what matters in eternity. I could tell you right now, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I was 15 years old. And I didn't know what Jesus was all about. I didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus. I had a lot of questions. And my friend Thomas, who was this kid in the youth group, like I met him at the youth group. He wasn't my friend beforehand. He would come over to my house and just spend time with me. And he just loved me. And he was like, he valued me. And I felt felt comfortable to ask these questions. And I felt his love and I felt his service. I felt him serving me and counting my needs more significant than his own. And that modeled something to me that I believe released and, and made an eternal, eternal difference in my life. Like, I honestly don't know where I'd be because that's a shaky time. When you give your, your life to the Lord, then it's the enemy wants to bring you back. And I was asking a lot of those questions. But I, I see my friend Thomas, and I, and I don't think he knows how much impact that has and we can all count that look back at a time in our life like that too so if we ask this question what am I doing today that matters in eternity you're going to serve somebody you're going to say maybe maybe it's a little something small maybe it's something big but if we're unwilling or unintentional to look to those needs of others and we're so caught up in ourselves we're going to look back and waste our life we're going to look back and say what did I do with my life it was all about me we're going to look back like that rich young ruler said and said man, I'm walking away disheartened because I've become so focused on these things that are really about me. I've let riches, I've let possessions become my God and God be a secondary and walking away disheartened. That's the reality is riches will let you down because they're temporary. When you choose to serve others and ask that question, it empowers us to live a life of legacy. The third thing is this, Is looking through that lens of eternity, like seeing the big picture, empowers you or allows you to receive peace no matter what the circumstance is. You know, right now, a lot of people don't have peace because there's a lot going on. We're all freaking out like these elections. It has been a stressful time, but I want to, and there's grace for that. and It's understandable. But I want to let you know that you can have peace no matter what, no matter what circumstances are in place. When you look through the lens of eternity, when you realize God's in control, and I know how this story ends. I, I look back four years ago, um, this December, uh, our second daughter was born, Holland Grace. And 12 days after she was born, she was running a fever. She kept running a fever, and I got higher. We called the nurse. She said, check on it, called her back because it got worse. And we took her to the ER, and they were doing all these tests. They actually had to do a spinal tap on a 12-day-old and um, to, to, to test what was going on. And some of you guys are going to judge me for this, but I was like so like just sitting there and I felt like I needed to do something and felt helpless. Like I need to do something productive, just sitting in the waiting room. Um, so I literally w- left my wife there and went and got an oil change because I'm like, what do we need to do? Like I need to, I, okay, that's something. a that's way I can help. We need an oil change. I'm going to go change your oil. And then I was like on my way back or something and she called me and she told me. She said, "Hey, the spinal tap thing came back, and they found meningitis in her system." And my mind immediately went to when I was in eighth grade. This and my my teachers like lecturing us about like how not to share water bottles because you might get meningitis because one of her family members died from meningitis. And so my eyes just went up, and that's where my thought went. Like meningitis is really bad, and she's 12 days old. It's not like her immune system has been built up super solid, and so I I. I I went to fear. I went to like, oh my gosh, like I, I I was having trouble processing it. But then I was listening to my wife on the other fo- on the other side of the phone, and I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear fear. I didn't he- hear anxiety or worry. I heard peace. It wasn't what she said. It was how she said. It. I said, "What is going on?" Like, and she said, "Yeah, I'm going to. We're going to actually have to go to another hospital. They're going to transfer her." And I I felt this peace. And she was so confident that god's got her and i see this like in lens through the lens of eternity there's a couple things that could come from that one is we know we'll see her in heaven like what what if the worst case scenario happens but two she knows who's in control and i believe the lord spoke something to her and she shared this with me and she could be probably be more authentic coming from her but that the lord has got her the lord has our hall in grace and we just felt this peace, even though, and the doctors were like, what's, like, you heard what we just told you. The doctors were a little perplexed, like, you know, most people, like, start crying or start freaking out when we tell them this news. But we actually, so I met up with her, we rode to the hospital, got there, and we told you all to pray for her, and so many of you all prayed for her. And the doctors were amazed, and next month, she turns four years old. And I praise God for that. But I believe that's what happens when we look through. My wife was demonstrating that, looking through the lens of eternity and seeing, like, I know how the story ends. I know who's in control. God's got this. What am I doing that matters in light of eternity? Like, a lot of things don't matter, so you stop stressing about them. And it allows you to receive peace. And that's what Jesus was saying about the first and last, like, the ranking system. Like, don't worry about it. You serve other people, and you actually doesn't matter anymore. You put yourself at the feet of others. You're able to serve them and you'll receive peace as you, as you operate in that. Cause you know, he's in control. You know how the story ends. The last thing I want to share with you, and this is what really what the Lord put on my heart was a really big emphasis for someone in here that needed to hear. Cause every time I prepare my message, I'm like, praying, like, God, what are you speaking to me through this passage? I do a lot of research and context and try to understand the context of the passage, and I felt like he was leading me in this direction of eternity, like, look through the light of eternity. He talks about eternal life, like, we need to ask that question, what am I doing today that matters in eternity? But then I always pray for something, like, significant, that, like, there's a breakthrough that someone specifically, a Holy Spirit moment, a Holy Spirit prompting of, like, God, what do you really want me to press into at the end? And I felt like he just kept coming back to like trust. So the last point is looking through the lens of eternity requires you to trust, to let go, and surrender. And then attached with that, I said I've, I felt the Lord speaking to me, saying, "Some people uh, that you, that I'm going to share this message with uh, are not trusting Jesus, or struggling with trusting Jesus with all their life because they've been hurt." They have trust issues. They've allowed someone into their life, and they hurt them. And that hurt is actually causing you and limiting your trust in Jesus, and it's limiting your faith. and And I was like, "Okay, God, I got this. Like, I can I can share that with them." And that was like Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday. I was kind of doing the the final prep for it. And Thursday morning, I woke up like super early, like five in the morning. For some reason, I got up okay, I was praying. I felt like, all right, I'm going to jump in and get a jump start on my message today. And then I got to this point, like one, two, three, and then the fourth point came. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to prep this. This is really what Jesus was pressing me in to share with so I could share it to somebody in this room. But right as I got to that place on my Google document where I was preparing to kind of fill in what I wanted to share, the Lord shared with me, he said, Lauren, it's you I want to heal. And he said, Lauren, there are some trust issues that you have in your heart, that you've been holding on to, that you didn't even know were there. And it's because you've been hurt. And I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I was at the kitchen table Thursday morning, and I just felt the Holy Spirit come over me in this healing process, and I just started to bawl. I just couldn't control. I just started to cry because I felt the Holy Spirit healing me. These these parts of my life that go back way to a Way back to when I was a kid, that I was so hurt by someone I trusted, that ended up hurting me. That I wanted, to, that I didn't want to relinquish control, because that's what it means to to trust somebody: is you're surrendering some control of your life. You're surrendering some control to them and giving them. And that's what following Jesus means. And I believe that some of us today are like me. That that message was for me, but also for some people in here today that have been hurt. And that is causing you to, that's limiting your faith. It's limiting your ability to trust Jesus. And he just wants you to know it's worth it. And that you can trust him. He's saying it's worth it. And you can trust me. Just surrender your heart. You know what's not worth it? I felt the Lord prompt me to say this. You know what's not worth it? Walking through life with a limp. Walking through life still hurt. And not receiving the healing that you're supposed to have. And I just felt that it's not just for me. I felt the Holy Spirit come over me and, and reveal some things. And like, Maybe some of you are like me and are like, no, I trust Jesus. Like I've been a pastor for 12 years, so you'd think I'd get, have my life together. But, I've been, but, but he showed me, he's like, no, you still are holding back areas of your life. And I just want to be obedient and give you that opportunity and give you that prompting that he wants to heal something that's been hurting you for too long. And in that process, he's going to, to, to draw you closer to him and tell you it's worth it. I'm just going to give you that opportunity. Would you just bow your head right here in this place? He's calling you, and he's telling you, I'm here. There's no judgment. There's grace, and there's healing in Jesus' name. Some of us here today, that's for you, and you've been walking through hurt, and you need healing so you can trust Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three, just put it up. Thank you so much. Hands going all over this place. Thank you so much. He sees your obedience. He sees that step he's making towards you. You could put your hand down. And a second group of people, you're here in this place. Maybe you're online and you say, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to him and I want to know him. I want eternal life just like this rich young man was saying. And all he asks is to surrender your life and say, Jesus, come into my life. So if that's you and you're like, what does following Jesus mean? I want this. I want him in my life. I want you to respond online by clicking a link below or in this room right now. You're here and you want to follow Jesus. On the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Just put it up real quick. Thank you, I see hands. Thank you so much. You can put it down. Would you stand to your feet across this room? I'm going to lead us in this prayer. I'm going to lead us in this prayer and I'm just going to challenge us to press in to, to, to this and receive healing. Our prayer team's coming up as well. And we're just going to provide you that opportunity to come up to them and pray with them. If you raise your hand, this is that spot. This is that spot. So repeat after me. Pray this to him. Say, Jesus, I need you and I trust you. I surrender my life to serve you. Come into my life and change me. Fill me and heal me. I trust you, Jesus. And I ask for your strength. For me to live the life you've called me to. We praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we give God praise, there were so many hands that went up as big decisions. So let's worship God. If you need to come up for prayer, come up. Would you surrender your heart? Would you raise your hand? Would you say, God, I trust you. You're here. I want that healing. Everything I have is because of you. I trust you, God. Let's worship him.